welcome to our General Order 1 podcast, a.k.a. Goop, where we discuss Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I'm Is that by... what we're doing? We could switch it up, I suppose. I what? thought we changed our format to a Knight Rider podcast. Oh, I didn't get that memo. I watched the wrong show. I mean, I just assumed from our, our cool new theme music. Is this the bit you said you prepared? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man, it was well worth the wait. I know, right? It sounds more like we're in like a warehouse in Germany during like a rave or something like that. It could right? be. That could. Hey, be. Who, who's this dude? So I'm I'm joined by my longtime friend and fellow nerds uh, Ben. Hello. And uh, Jason. Yeah. Hi. What's your nickname, Jason? So we can get it on on the record. Um, my, AKA Nuge. Yeah. Um, that's my catchphrase. Yeah. It's your catchphrase. All right. Cool. All right, so today we are discussing uh, Knight Rider Season 3, Episode 7. Oh, wait, no. Did Knight Rider even get a Season 3? I have no I idea. I don't even know. What do, you, what do you think? Should we look it up real quick? I, I mean, we're, I'm curious. We're losing so many viewers, listeners, whatever. Right now. <laughs> we lost Ooh. our two viewers. Yes. Actually, Knight Rider got four seasons. Look at that. Wow. All right. Underestimated. Uh, How they keep that going that long? Did like I, in I, season four, Kit got pregnant or something? Oh my gosh! Wow. Are you talking about the the reboot or the original? No, the original. Oh, okay. Oh, God, so they re- they rebooted Night yeah, Rider. They did. They, they oh did. no. Yeah. Man. All right. Uh, you know, making a new show in an old franchise—that's pretty lame. Who would watch that? I know. Right. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, in all seriousness, we are discussing Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 3, entitled Ghosts of Illyria. So, episode starts out with uh, Number 1 doing a little voiceover, and she explains that the Enterprise is, I believe, orbiting a planet called Hedimit 9, which is a, an abandoned Illyrian colony. Um, are the the Illyrians must be new? I don't remember them from any other Star Trek. Do you guys? You know, I, yeah, I wondered about that too. If I just wasn't remembering, if they're like a deep cut, I've forgotten. But I don't recall any mention of them previously. I feel like it would have been something that would have stood out because of their strict, or you know, their genetic modification. But maybe we'll get to that in a little bit. So that's what the episode. So part of the voiceover is that uh, number one explains that the Illyrians. Um, are or were i suppose um known for modifying their genes to enhance their capabilities um and they they do make a note that genetic modification is very forbidden in the federation you are not allowed to modify your genes in any way which i thought was kind of curious like you'd think that far in the future like they'd have figured out science that they could you know modify their genes to cure cancer or a billion diseases but apparently that's against the rules of the federation well it's it's the whole it's like the butlerian jihad from dune where they freak out about technology and swear it off forever so you know con wrecked the earth and so now they're afraid of ever having any genetic engineering because the one time they allowed it it turned into super soldiers starting world war three well, we're yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- I think, and that was one of the themes I took away from this. But I think we're jumping is the that... gun a little bit because this is a prequel, right? I mean, Khan's not even a thing yet, is he? No, he's he's before this. But I mean, well, okay. I mean, Star Trek Two is clearly after this, well, but your well, his, his existence starts pre. Yeah, he was he, uh, in the original series. They found him 
you know, in cryogenic sleep, and he and his people had been floating through space forever. Oh, that's right. I forgot he was on the original series a little bit. Yeah, just for one episode. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he had that the... really cheesy fight with what? Scotty and engineering. <laughs> was, or yeah, and, and it, it was, was so it was, bad. Yeah, it was with Kirk. There Wasn't were anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, we had the double hand chop going hardcore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so so he's you know he's this genetically modified super being who you know started the eugenics wars on Earth. Uh, he loses, but before he can be captured, he and his followers launch themselves into space and then cryogenically freeze themselves. The Enterprise happens upon them. They lie about who they are uh, and try to take over the ship. They figure out, okay, this is Khan and his followers. They're they're no good. So uh, they end up marooning them on uh, SETI Alpha 5. And then in Wrath of Khan, we find that the you know the the next planet exploded it turned into a hellscape and that's why Khan wants revenge on kirk somebody did their homework yeah i had to look all that up i didn't i didn't uh i didn't know that from memory like uh, i'm not I into don't... that st- kind of stuff I, I memorize like sports statistics and you do have an insane memory like you drop stuff on me like you know like oh i read this book when i was you know 20 years ago and uh, dude i couldn't tell you what i did last week Anyway, point being, Khan made them very scared of genetics. Yeah, um, that, that definitely comes up later in the episode, too, especially with La'an being Khan's, what, great-granddaughter, or who knows? She's related yeah. to Khan. So uh, just super quick circle back to this intro. So they are um, on the planet. The, the away team is on Hediment 9. They're doing some investigation. There, there are no people on the planet. They have disappeared. And they are basically investigating where they've gone. It, it appears they've been gone for quite a while. Um, yeah, the the sense I got was that this wasn't the first time Starfleet's come to investigate and try to figure out what happened. But they can only do limited amount of uh, investigating because these storms come through all the time and wreck everything. Yeah, that's that's basically what happens immediately is you have these ion storms and they interfere with the comm, so they're having a hard time communicating with the Enterprise. So they decide like, hey, this storm is coming and we need to get off this planet. It's going to be bad news. So they um, communicate with the Enterprise. And I keep forgetting, I don't know the the transporter guy's name yet, but it's the same guy that's been in the last couple episodes. And he says, oh, yeah. oh Hemmer. I, I, no, Hemmer's the engineer. The, the, the transporter guy's like the oh. younger guy. I don't even know if he okay, has a name. Anyway, the point is, is that here, I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick looky loo here. You look it up. So he he says, "Oh, I can't beam him up. There's you know too much interference from this ion storm." And uh, yeah, like Jason, uh, said, Chief Kyle, Chief Kyle. There you go. Uh, Kyle's like, "I can't beam him up. There's too much uh, ion stuff going on." And Hemmer, like from engineering, like pipes in, like, "Hang on a second. And he like punches a couple buttons on his control panel. Like, doesn't explain what he does. And like basically taps in some more energy or whatever for the transporters, and then you know they're able to beam up the away team. And Hemmer says his line was, "I'm a genius, but move quickly." So yeah. they're they're able to beam up everyone except for um, Pike and Spock, who are left on the planet because they were underground. Yeah, so and, and most right of the away before they yeah, right before they beam out, though, we we get a scene of uh, a new character, Ensign Lance. Mm-hmm. Um, He's wearing, uh, well, I don't know what he was wearing. He was wearing, they're wearing, uh, 
like their away mission uniforms, so I don't know. They were like gray jackets, right? Yeah, they had they had the whole the whole uh, jacket, you know, their cool leather jacket thing going. But yeah. um, so I don't know if we'll see him. I'm assuming we'll never see this person again. I'm guessing he was red shirt of the week, but we see Ensign Lance acting awfully cagey, uh, staring at you know this cabinet of stuff that he's found. So. I had to watch that scene twice to figure out what they were trying to say with it. Cause it's just, he looks in this cupboard with his flashlight and then Pike comes up behind him. He's like, let's go. And I was yeah, like, I, mean, I think all we all we're meant to know at that point is that there's something strange that's happening. And this is our first view into some, not all as well. There's some like magical yellow light crystals. If you yeah. look closely and that, that's where we get back into the ion storm thing. But yeah. So, but you bring up a good point. Like they did have different, or at least Lance did have different clothes on the away. I've never seen any of the other Star Trek missions. They don't change clothes when they go on. No, and, and they're like they're really slick. Like, like you know, Pike's got his like members only jacket on. I guess the, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to fault them because the costumers on uh, the, it's been the show are doing yeah, great. So you know what? Absolutely it's, fantastic so far. So uh, the long and the short of this scene is that uh, basically Pike and Spock are. They get essentially left on the planet because the ion storm rolls in, so they're gonna shelter in place while this this storm passes. So the the next thing we see is we see uh, Ortegas in the hallway, and she's just kind of walking down, and she sees what was his name, Lieutenant Lance, Ensign Lance, Ensign Lance, and he's like just sort of like rubbing his face on like the the wall. And he's kind of like, any. so you, you see, she kind of walks past him and she's like, okay, you know, what does she say? Like, you know, whatever it takes to get your something freak like, on. Yeah, something like, yeah, get your freak like on. Yeah. yeah. She's, she's surprisingly okay with this behavior. Yeah. And then and so, for, it's like, okay, this guy, something is clearly wrong with this yeah. dude. And she's like, yeah, whatever. He's just some ensign who's, you know, apparently gets his rocks off by rubbing his face on the side of the wall. Uh, it's too much like space ecstasy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's it's he's off he's off duty. You know, anything goes, I guess. But um, then he he proceeds to headbutt the glass to try to get closer to the light, and that's when she realizes, okay, no, it's yeah, he's having a real bad trip. Apparently, so she yeah. steps in. So uh, the next thing we see is it cuts to uh, number one, and uh, she is in her quarters. And she's kind of doing this. She's enjoying the light in her quarters. And I think at one point she asked the computer to turn the brightness up 25%. And then all of a sudden you see that uh, she kind of rips her shirt, like the top of it open a little bit to expose the more, the, you know, I don't know, the top of her chest and her neck a little bit more. Yeah. And then, uh, and all of a sudden her skin starts glowing red you know, like magically red, not like, you know, she got a bad rash or anything. And then uh, that's kind of it. So you, like, so we know some, at this point, we know something is going on because, you know, Lance is headbutting the the hallway and, and number one is her skin's glowing red. So clearly something's going on. So what we see next is we're in sickbay and um, basically half of the, uh, away team from this mission that went to this Hediment 9 mission, they've either burned or shocked themselves trying to get closer to light is essentially what they, they determine. Um, Dr. Obenga mentions that he found a, a vitamin D deficiency in all of the patients, 
And uh, if you're not aware, uh, sunlight exposed to human skin generates vitamin D. So I think the implication here is that these patients are craving vitamin D or they're craving sunlight to get their bodies to generate vitamin D, I think is what they were right. trying to say. Yeah, that, that seemed to be the implication. And um, uh, I do want to want to back up real quick for a second. The The scene in um, number one's quarters. Um, so first of all, uh, she also has a palatial yeah, quarters. I did. I did notice that too. That she had very large. Ca- yeah, it's, cabin, it's not huge. Quarters, cabin. Sorry, cabin. Yep, we're still doing cabins. That's right. So it it's huge too. Um, and I, I thought the like ripping of the uniform was awfully gratuitous. Yeah, it didn't. Like I we've mean, communicated like, to the audience. I mean, she she's yeah. like literally like rubbing her hands over a lamp. Yeah, like we've we've definitely communicated to the audience that she's craving light. We we get it. We're there. Yeah, and then we have this like little literal, literal like bodice ripper moment of her like having to expose more flesh to get the. I mean, it seemed a little bit. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, she, she could. I mean, it's it's Rebecca Romaine, so I mean, they probably want to. I, I yeah, I get we're we're, we're gonna. I guess. Right. I'm surprised you know. that she didn't, you know, take her whole shirt off and just, you know, rock. Well, frankly, skin. that would have been more natural. Right. Like, if you're That's like, I need to get light on my skin. I don't know that your first instinct would be, I'm going to literally like try to tear my shirt off. Especially when you're in your own quarters alone, when you just, yeah. You right. Just, you just take it off. So yeah, yeah it, it seemed a little bit contrived and, and, you know, Ooh, it's, Ooh, look at this. She's ripping her shirt off. You know, anyway, it just seemed a little bit much. Um, Anyway, so uh, in sick bay, doctor mentions vitamin C, vitamin D deficiency in all of the away team, but he yeah. checks Una or he checks number one, whose name is Una. And uh, uh, yeah, speaking of which, uh, she the character she is credited that? as Una Chin Riley in this episode. Yeah, which so we, I, we've we've moved away from crediting the character as number one. Right. Um, so that's that's good to see. She's she's got she's not just a number anymore, folks. She's, she's got a name. She's up a little bit. Yep. Uh, she is not affected. The doctor basically says, you know, you don't have these symptoms that these other patients had. You don't have this vitamin D deficiency. So whatever he basically tells her, whatever these people were exposed to, you weren't exposed to. So she asks and she says, well, clearly, you know, all these people are on the away mission. Is it possible that they were exposed to something on the planet? And then, you know, we brought it back on board. And the doctor makes mention that the transporters have biofilters that they would filter out anything abnormal. So she says something to the effect of, well, what if it didn't know what it was looking for? And he says anything that they don't know, it will just filter out completely. Yeah, which I, I hadn't thought. I mean, they've mentioned biofilters before, and that was always my thought in the past was like, you know, they got to know what it is to filter it out. Like, yeah. that seems like that wouldn't really work. I hadn't thought about it that way before that, yeah, you can just go, we know what, what this is supposed to look like. Yeah. And we're going to just take out everything that doesn't match the pattern we have. But um, that so does why mean, though, it... that... Hmm? Oh, so so why wouldn't it work? I, I guess that, like, that scanner was out of date because of what we learn later, but still, why wouldn't it work? They, 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 there's a bit of Trek hand waviness we'll get to later about why it didn't work. But. So, so what he says is um, that the, the 
biofilters filter out anything abnormal, anything it doesn't know. But he also says that he ran a virological and a bacteriological scan on all of the away team, and he did not find anything out of the ordinary. So what they're they're setting the stage here that there was that this really couldn't have come from the surface because they've gone and they've checked everything uh, that there's not really a, a method of transport that this could have come from the surface through the transporters what we we come to find out later that there was something but they're 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 doing due diligence and saying that it would be unlikely that this came up because we have these safeguards in place yes. so we <clears throat> We cut now to uh, number one, or I guess we can call her Una now, and and, and she is in engineering with Hemmer. And um, I did note that engineering looks very different than any of the engineerings we've seen on any of the other shows. Yeah, the it's, scale of it is is yeah. massive, um, which makes sense. I mean, the yeah. the you know if you you know nerd out on the Star Trek schematics like the you know, the warp core is supposed to be like the, the most of the like lower portion of the ship is just taken up by the warp core. So it's um, also really cool looking too. Like it looks very science fiction. Like, you know, I mean, I don't want to pick on next generation or Voyager or whatever, but the, the warp core, you know, I mean, it looked like nineties sci-fi, right? This looks like you said, it looks big and it looks modern and it, it looks yeah. mysterious. I I don't know. At the the time, I gotta say at the time, I mean, it's, yeah, it's super nineties looking now, but, at the time, that engineering set Next Generation yeah. had was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, I'm and with it, you. And and there was like the, this giant sort of cavern that you that there was like shots of down the warp core some on, on on certain occasions that made you think that it was like this giant vertical, yeah, you know, cylinder, which was you know I'm with you, Ben. Just stylistically, I did note that it looks really cool. So. Yeah, they did a good job of showing the scale of this thing that, you know, yeah, they're working in this little space in engineering, but the actual warp core itself is this huge, huge device. So uh, Una asks Hemmer, Hemmer being the chief engineer, basically the same thing she asked the doctor about the, the biofilters. And, and, and Hemmer reiterates, like, there's no way that any sort of contagion could have come up in the the transporter because they just filter out anything they don't understand. So... Um, and then Una follows up and she asks him, she says, does it, did anything unusual happen during the transport? You know, like, cause I got this whole ship is coming down with this disease and like, it's just weird. Did anything come up? And he doesn't mention the, like his emergency power boost. He doesn't mention his genius move. He's just like, no, everything's good. Yeah. Don't everything, worry about yeah it's it. totally normal. Yeah. I was like, really dude? Like. Well, and she specifically says, you know, hey, these we're beaming through these ion storms. Yeah. You were having trouble getting a lock. Isn't it possible, like, something happened? And he's kind of like, well, sure, I guess anything's possible. But no, I don't think so. Like, stop questioning me. Yeah, and she basically hammers him, and he says, okay, fine. I'll run a level five diagnostic on everything, but it will take all night. Yeah, and he literally just says, like, if it'll make you feel better, then I yeah. guess I'll do this. Like, yeah. like wow, man. Yeah, he's a little condescending to her. Yeah, he made a mistake there. He she gets her revenge later. Yeah, true. Good point. Um, so uh, at this point, more and more of the ship is starting to come down yeah. with this. And uh, sorry, sorry, real, real quick, um, we, we talked about you know yeah, Hammer was going to have a bigger role, bigger role later, and yeah, so far not not terribly impressed with Hammer. I mean, he. 
Right. He clearly, you know, yeah, the guy's smart. He can put together this like emergency power transfer for the the transporters when they needed it. But yeah, he's 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 a kind of a prick. Like, yeah, she comes well, to him and is like, "Hey, we've got people that went on this away mission yeah. that are that are sick and they're in trouble. Like, we got to do something." And he's like, "Well, can't possibly be my transporter. Like, don't ask me." It definitely wasn't that super secret energy boost that I gave that nobody else. Right, totally. And it's it's yeah. it's like, dude, we came to this planet, we went down there, there was this ion storm, we come back and suddenly people are getting this mysterious illness. Like something happened. And it seems recently. Like, yeah, it also it almost seems like that they might have cut a scene or something, because he sort of weirdly walks into the medical area uh, and like yeah. does some checking like quietly. I guess this well, is a little later, but she says, that's, um, yeah, that's the, yeah, we're, you're uh, two scenes ahead, but yeah, that I think that's supposed to be the level five diagnostic that she makes him run. Right. But yeah, I mean, he makes it sound like it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. That she's even asking for this. And it's like, why wouldn't you be checking every system at this point, man? Like, yeah. Well, it's I mean, just total common sense, and he's like, "Oh, good, wasting my time." Okay, it is. It is worth noting. That, I mean, that's definitely Hemmer's character is that he's really cocky, and he's he, he's a good engineer, and he knows it. Um, so he doesn't have a lot of patience for that. No, it, it, it in other episodes, it definitely pays off that he is a good engineer, sure. but he he has. It just, it just seems like the most reasonable yeah. possible yeah, request right. that could be coming at that moment, and he's just like he's he's the. He's the reluctant IT dude. I mean, this is yeah. I, I appreciate totally. his character. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's. I fine. think he's great. He's one of my favorite characters. So we'll we'll get to that. So uh, basically, Una is now briefing Laon about the contagion, um, and she basically alerts security. Laon, being head of security, like, hey, keep an eye out because something crazy is going on. I don't know what it is. Pike and Spock are still stuck down on this planet, so we're kind of, you know, flying blind here. Um, so. We're talking about um, they they talk a little bit about genetic modifications, and uh, Laon brings up that, or maybe it's Una brings, I can't remember, brings up that the Federation doesn't support genetic modification because you cannot predict the outcome. And then Laon mentions Khan, and she says her quote is, "Well, you don't grow up with a bioengineered mass murderer as your ancestor and not develop a thick skin." So they're they're kind of setting the stage here that there is history in the Federation for their intolerance of this of bioengineering, and I mean that's what to circle back that's what the Illurians were trying to do. So there's so Laon is already sort of on edge about you know whatever the Illurians were doing, right? And it it made it this. I, I made note in the in the the pilot. Remember where Laon beams down, and after uh, Chapel gives them that that you know essentially the disguise that affects their you know their face, so they can they can blend in. Yeah, I would think that would be like a. She's super adamant against bioengineering. Like she's like just not having yeah it. yeah but, you, but on well, that first episode she was like yeah you can inject me with essentially whatever you want you right know, just just i won't take it. i won't take any sedatives i won't but... take a sedative yeah yeah it, it was been... a little strange anyway so also why is she getting hassled about being like okay so she's khan's granddaughter her name's laon noonian sink like right. dude like hitler's nephews changed their name dude like why right. are you still going by noonian sing Right. I don't, no one would. No one would know unless. Right. right. Yeah. Why aren't you Laon Smith? 
That's such a good idea. Oh man, I hope in season two they change her name. That'd be great. Yeah. See this uh, this kind of all passed me by. I'm I'm a bit of a noob like with the Star Trek background, and I wish they would. I personally wish they would explain this more about the Illyrians. Like you before, you were saying like the genetic modifications were looked down upon. Like why? I, I guess I wish I got more reasoning why. I think that's, you know, the history that's kind of the beauty of this. I mean, so this is the 11th Star Trek show. So there's a lot of history there. And I think you get a little bit more out of the show if you know the history, you know, you know, the history of Khan and, you know, but it's not entirely necessary to the plot. Like you still understand the show if you don't have, you know, whatever, 40 years of, of backstory. And I think, you know, they've they've got a limited time that they couldn't go into all of it. But yes, I, I see what you're saying that, Basically, in, in the Star Trek canon, like, everybody who was, like, genetically modified ended up trying to take over the world. You know, I guess you do mm-hmm. bring up a good point, because they don't even mention, or Laon, they, they don't mention Khan. I mean, she mentions that her grandfather was a bioengineered mass murderer, but that's it. They don't go into any explanation. So if you don't have that... that yeah, they, they definitely are assuming that you know who Khan Noonien Soong is and what he did. Have you seen Star which Trek? Is, which is a bit of a big assumption because yeah, even if you've seen yeah, but Khan, I, don't, I, didn't, you don't, I just know yeah. his first name, Khan. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know his last name actually. Well, yeah, you you would never get any of that from oh, watching no. Wrath of Khan. You wouldn't. I don't even think you get that from the first two episodes. In fact, I think you and I talked about it on the first episode that the only reason I looked it up was because her name sounded weird, right? You know, it's 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 not like she starts the episode, you know, looking at a picture of her grandpa on her iPad, right? No, no they don't make it terribly, terribly yeah. obvious. You have to kind of, if you know the backstory, you're like, oh, okay, this is Khan's granddaughter. Yeah. But well, um, if okay, you don't, but then yeah, and I don't really even mean like I need to know that her her, her grand granddad was uh, Khan or anything like that. I just I wish there was more, you know, um, on the text explanation about the reason why they're so against genetic um, modifications or at least the Federation is like just some clear setup for basically the whole theme of the show, which is, you know, uh, you know, bigotry and like prejudice against a certain type of, you know, activity, or I guess it's a a race of people, but yeah. It's basically that when, when there was genetic modification in earth's past, they ended up turning into Nazis and trying to take over the world. Yeah, that's fair. That's essentially what you need to know, right? So uh, now we cut back to um, sick bay, and Laon has now developed the same vitamin deficiency. You know, she's experiencing the same um, symptoms as the landing party, but she wasn't on the landing party. So whatever is going on now is is propagating about the ship. Um, Ubenga mentions that whatever is going on isn't being passed by any traceable viral or bacteriological means, which we already discussed briefly. And I thought this was interesting was Ubenga basically recommends a full lockdown. So he recommends to the acting captain, he was like, I don't know what's going on. Everybody's getting this. You need to essentially lock everyone in their quarters. And, And as far as I know, that's the first time I've ever seen like a doctor like have that much sway. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we haven't seen anything like that where, you know, everyone's confined to quarters. Like even in even in TNG, like Crusher could barely get Picard to, you know, 
you know, sit still when he was sick. Like, and now all of a sudden, like the doctor's just like, all right, everybody stay in their quarters. But, well, but I mean, sense. it makes sense. I mean, it's just, yeah. I'd never seen it before. Right. So, uh, Una initiates a level five lockdown and everyone is confined to their quarters or their respective work areas. So by the way, we have, we now have a level five diagnostic and now a level five lockdown. Ooh, good point. I didn't um, know. I mean, do they even have level one through four? It seems like they just go straight to five. Go straight. Yeah, good point. Uh, we see uh, Pike and Spock are on the surface, and uh, Spock has done some research, and he has determined that the Illyrians really, really, really wanted to join the Federation, so much so that they were in the process of de-engineering themselves. They were trying to remove these genetic modifications because they really wanted to join the Federation. So he finds this on some records. Um, so again, we still haven't seen any uh, actual Illyrians yet, but we know that they were trying to do something because they wanted to join the Federation. And right about then, they they look out the window. They're in the library, I believe, and and the the ion storm is rolling in, and you see like these kind of electricity, like dragon looking things out the window. So you know things are about to uh, escalate. Yeah, uh, Spock and Pike being, you know, trapped and isolated on this planet. I mean, this kind of, this is a bit of where this show kind of structurally is is missing for me at this point. I mean, only a few episodes in. I really liked episode two, by the way, but this this episode kind of fell short a little bit. And Spock, we know, survives, right? This is a prequel. And also this main story with the captain about him seeing his future gives us this sense that like he's kind of you know in invincible you know we we just we have right. no like threat there there's no like yeah he's got impenetrable plot armor for 10 years plot armor exactly um so it's i guess it's fine in this episode because they 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 take those people off the ship and then so the, the real threat is on the ship right in this episode oh, interesting um, i didn't think about that they purposely isolate the two characters that are Huh. See, and I, okay. I, I, I had a bit of a different take. I mean, yeah, I think that's probably part of it. There, that helps them with you know ratchet up the tension a little bit because now they could potentially blow up the Enterprise. <laughs> the two guys we know are going to live aren't on it. Yeah, at least, at least technically speaking, yes, we these um, people could be real in real danger. Yeah, well, Uhura's there. And oh, I guess Uhura. Yeah, yeah. Chapel's but, survives. We know but, that. Too. Yeah, but at my, least my take was. We're getting our two big heavies off the ship for this episode so that our other characters have something to do. This is, so, I mean, yeah, clearly this, sure. is, this is like the Una-centric episode. They yeah, we want Una to character. be in charge so Pike can't be there. And we want, you know, we want Dr. Mbenga to be working on stuff. We want, you know, Nurse Chapel. We want some other people to be figuring out what's going on here. If Spock was here, he'd just figure it out and that would be it. So we're going to put Spock down on the planet too. Yeah, and so they can only they can only really do this so so many times where they're taking these these other characters like yeah. these characters that we know what's going to happen to them or they're like they plot armor away from what's going on in the main. Yeah, it's threat. a little contrived. Uh, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we're getting you know some screen time for some of these other characters, particularly Doctor Mbenga, who you know was was barely there in the first episode and then was completely missing in the second one it's nice that we get a nice introduction to him now he gets a real nice character arc coming up so yeah absolutely yeah. 
the only uh, the only other thing, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, is they could have had um, Pike and Spock come back and basically just get knocked out with the disease and just had them unconscious. In yeah, that's true. Instead of leaving them on the planet, but that's okay. Well, they still right. give them something kind of heroic to do. Yeah. So, so uh, we cut back to sick bay and we see Hemmer walk in and he is doing a scan. You, the implication being this is the level five scan that Una wanted him to do. Um, sick bay has now expanded because pretty much everyone on the ship is infected. Um, Uhura's roommate, they make note that Uhura's roommates are now sick, but she was not. Um, yeah, and there's there's kind of like an establishing shot we see here where they like kind of zoom out and mention that they've had to like yeah expand sick bay and it's huge. Yeah, like yeah. they've they've got like a whole second story and so I don't know if that's like you know overflow area for sick bay all the time or if they rigged something up, but they've got a yeah. pretty massive space for sick bay. The the one thing I was gonna note is because Hemmer's character is blind and, and the actor that plays him is blind too. But Hemmer walks around and does scans. And again, if I didn't know he was blind, there I would not think he's blind. Right. Like he's oh, the extreme. actor that plays him. Yeah. He, yeah. Oh, the wow, actor that cool. plays him is blind. So he's very functional. Like you know, as a as a sight impaired person, it doesn't seem to slow him down. Um. So we see. Uh, that Hemmer wants to investigate the medical transporter, but the doctor is very reluctant, and he says, I have research in there. So Hemmer investigates briefly and causes the lights to go dim, kind of in all of sickbay, and he says, hmm, that's weird, that shouldn't have happened, but then he leaves. He doesn't do a whole lot there, but... So there's an Well, he leaves here. when Dr. Mbenga basically throws him out. I mean, he's like, exactly. hey, this okay. is... This is important stuff. You can't mess with this. And he's like super, super insistent that he not, you know, eva- you know, and he's like, look, this has nothing to do with what you're looking for. It's it's just get out of here. And uh, he's yeah, he's laying it on thick there. Yeah. We get a shot of him looking super cagey as he's like block kind of blocking the the control panel with his body and then like flips the lights back on. So anyway, it's so uh, this whole episode is basically just characters acting cagey. And this is just another one in the, in the line of, of, you know, people acting suspicious, but everybody else, it's like, okay, they're, they're, you know, they're craving the light and they're trying to do weird stuff to get to the light. But in this case, it's something else is going on here. He's, he really doesn't want him to look at that medical transporter for some reason. Well, it comes back later and uh, we will certainly uh, talk about that towards the end. Um, so I think the next thing of note is they do a quick investigation of Uhura's quarters because, again, she's not infected, but her roommates are. They basically determine that um, Uhura sleeps in the dark. Like she kind of has this uh, like a door that slides over her bunk so that she's completely in the dark because Uhura says, I can't sleep if there's any light. But apparently her roommates don't. And they basically are able to determine that perhaps the light is some sort of vector that causes these people to get infected. So uh, they go so, back. So the, yeah, but uh, here we go, though. We've we've talked about, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the cabins, but uh, here we go again. Uh, you know, so we've seen Pike's cabin, which is basically like a, you know, Central Park West penthouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen now seen number one's cabin that's basically the same. And now we see uh, the quarters that Uhura lives in, and 
is other people. like way smaller than those other ones. And she's sharing it with two other people. And they yeah. basically get like, they're, they're living in a hostel pretty much. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, you know, and they're, they're, you know, it's, it's like a, a Japanese pod hotel. Um, yeah, that's exactly. a good thing, right? Yeah. Which is totally the kind of space you would expect on a ship. Like if you go on a naval like a vessel, line. yeah, right, anything. or anything. Like, yeah. yeah, the the accommodations are not big. They're they're using you know everything's very small. So that's this is exactly kind of the the accommodation I would expect to see for the crew of the Starship Enterprise. It's it's number one in the captain's accommodations that are just totally out of line with what Holy I would God. expect to see. But uh, hey, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, I think that would have been my first question if I was Ohura and I'm I'm sleeping in this pod and I come into the captain's quarters for dinner and it's you know bigger than the bridge. Yeah, you'd be like, <laughs> what the heck? What, yeah, where? <laughs> I have, I have this. Like, I have like you know thirty square feet to my name and right, right. right. Yeah, it's good to be the captain. So uh, Una basically determines that this is related to light, whatever this infection. So she goes back to sick bay. They're able to determine that this contagion that has taken over the Enterprise travels on light. It's not bacteriological. It's not virological. Whatever it is, travels on light. So they ask the doctor, we're like, well, what the heck? How do we treat this? Um, and he basically says, you know, I think we're going to have to sedate all these patients because what the, what the, his suggestion was was to turn off the lights on the entire enterprise because that will prevent the spread of this disease. But if he turns off the lights to the entire ship, then the people that are affected or infected will be they'll be very angry and uncomfortable. So they decide basically to sedate I don't know half the crew or quite a few people, and then turn off the lights. So there's a cool exterior shot of the enterprise, and you see like the lights on. The entire ship just turn off like one by one. So there's a cool CG effect there. Yeah. So basically, Menga's running a, a like light addiction methadone clinic at this point. Right. Exactly. So uh, we see, and we circle back to Hemmer, who is in the transporter bay, and he is trying to beam up iron sulfur alloy from the mantle of the planet, and Una asks him you know she stops him she's like what the heck are you doing she says it's ten thousand degrees and hemmer says yeah i know it's great i want to feel it on my skin and so um she phasers him and essentially knocks him out and then she she picks him up and she carries him like a boss like she picks him yeah. up like it's nothing i mean yeah. he's a full-grown man right yeah she's we we see that she, clearly she's got quite a bit of strength yeah um, and it's kind of like in slow motion too, and it's kind of like drawn out. You're like, right. Whoa. yeah, we're, we're we're lingering on the fact that she can yeah. lift a lot. Also, I had you know, I was definitely thrown by this this plan of his to beam this molten metal up into the. My understanding yeah. has always been that like beaming is is a either or state, like either yeah. you've beamed someone up or you haven't. But he's yeah. like, yeah, it'll be here soon, like. It's not here yet, oh, but it's going to be. Yeah, we see it there on the transporter pad. So it was. Yeah, I mean, didn't yeah. quite get that. Is is it in the process of being transported, or maybe because it's so big, it takes long? I mean, when they yeah. do a human, like it takes you know maybe five seconds for you them. Gotta, to you gotta him. buffer it. 
I don't know. They do have a buffer. We know they that. They do have a pattern buffer. That's true. Maybe that's okay. Maybe the buffering just has gotten way better as the centuries have gone on. So uh, at this point, we we cut to Pike and Spock, and Spock actually mentions from that he had seen in the records of the planet that there were reports of creatures living inside the ion storms that ravaged this planet. And um, so we, at this point, kind of those electricity dragons have caught up with where Pike and Spock are. They essentially break the door down and get in, and, and you think that they're essentially going to kill um, Pike and Spock, but it doesn't happen. They get overrun by energy aliens, whatever, through the window and the door. Uh, Pike tells Spock to drop, and they both, you know, kind of hit the ground, and, and you think they're well, going to die. Thing, yeah, there's a scene where they're they're breaking in. They they actually wound Spock. They they get yeah, that was Spock weird. gets a cut on his neck. Uh-huh. So somehow in the process, you know, they're trying to hold the door closed while these yeah. guys are trying to break in. They manage to close the door and keep them out. In the process of the the creatures, you know, flailing around trying to get in the room, they've they've wounded Spock, uh, but not not terribly. Um, uh, Pike makes mention of you know if they had, you know, an, like an inch to the other side and they'd have hit the carotid and you'd be in trouble. And I think Spock makes some mention about like that's not how my physiology works or something like that. Um, you know, because hey, I'm a Vulcan, that's that's not where we don't keep our arteries in the same place. Um, but, uh, yeah, then, then there's a, you know, a whole, uh, off screen, they've, they've now barricaded the door. They've grabbed all the furniture in the room and, and piled it up against the door. Um, but it, it doesn't keep them out very long. Right. So, uh, it, it cuts at this point and it comes back to Pike and Spock here in a second, but. Uh, so sick bay or Una basically walks into sick bay and she's carrying Hemmer and she asks um, Ubenga if he found anything in her blood because she had, t- Oh, he asked her for a blood sample earlier and she says that she's immune. And like the doctor doesn't like question that. He's just like, yeah, okay, whatever. But uh, he, then she goes on to mention that she is an Allurian and she is bioengineered. So I now, think now what was wasn't that was the, oh yes that okay I was getting confused about when there's a couple of different times where she has an encounter out in the ship and then comes back to sick bay so going, yeah yeah so she mentions I mean I don't know what are we halfway through the episode maybe a little more and she mentions Some, yeah she is an Allurian and she is bioengineered so I I assume she knows that she's immune. Like that, that being yeah, aware that something that she her, just knows. Yeah, she says that her immune system has been altered, and so whenever she it encounters as a disease, it's able to just immediately burn it out of her body. That's just that's the benefit of being an Allurian, is that well, she that, has, well, that's yeah, that's that's really one immune. of her genetic modifications. Okay, and but she has to rip her clothes off first, though. That, oh, that's how you yeah. kick it, that's how you get it in. You kick it into high gear. Yeah, it it, it doesn't work unless you know you're showing a little skin. So uh, she basically asked the doctor, you know, if she found anything in her blood and he says no. And she says, "Okay, well, I'm immune. So can you take my blood and take out whatever antibodies? And can we give those to the rest of the crew? Because this is getting out of control. You know, I'm basically the only one left. I think at this point, like uh, Chapel has come down with it, too. So we're even running out of doctors. So uh, the doctor basically says that there's no antibodies in your blood. Like this isn't a thing. And he says, even if there were, we can't mix human and Allurian blood. The physiology just won't work. 
So he basically says, you know, your body is protected because you're an Illyrian, but there's nothing that I can do. I can't work out. Yeah, he says basically you don't you don't have antibodies because the second your immune system comes in contact with this thing, it just burns it away. So apparently the, the and he says something like you create these antibodies and then they're immediately destroyed. So he he says, you know, if we could get a sample from you, you know, in the moment when you were infected we could have potentially created some kind of antibody from this. But, you know, since the moment has passed, you're now immune to this. We, we can't do anything. I do think there's a cool line where, you know, because, again, the Federation is very anti-bioengineering. Um, uh, he says, or I think she asks him to come up with an antidote from her blood you know i know it's against regulations but you know we got to save the crew ubenga says i don't care about regulations if i could i would do it and save the crew this isn't about regulations i I literally cannot do what you want because your blood doesn't have what i need yeah she's operating under the assumption that he's kind of horrified by this idea yeah. of mixing the illyrian blood with theirs and that he's he's rejecting her idea because she's an illyrian and he makes it very clear, no, if if this would work, I'd do it in a second. I'm a physician, but it's yeah. not it just can't be done, so sorry. So right about then the computer does an audible alert and says that there's a warp core breach. So uh, Una has to run and essentially put out a fire and engineer not a literal fire. She goes to engineering and there's Laon and she's trying to get all of the light from the warp core. So first we had Hemmer trying to beam up the mantle to get more light. And now Laon is basically, you know, wanting to become one with the warp core because it's so bright. Um, I thought this, this was actually an interesting scene because so uh, Una and Laon fight. And I mean, Laon is a security chief and, yeah. you know, she's. And it's so, not much of a fight. Well, I don't. I, I'm Una holds her own. I mean, well, I'm, saying, I'm saying Laon gets kind of just tossed around like a rag right. doll. Yeah. So uh, there's a really interesting scene, like you know, after she, I think Laon is on the ground and Una gets in her face and she's trying to, you know, incapacitate her, and Laon calls her a monster and he and and an augment. Like so, so Laon has very visceral feelings about the idea of a bioengineered or an Illyrian on the ship. So, I mean, it circles back to, you know, her grandpa being con and she, so she's, she's vehemently opposed yeah. to, to bioengineering. So th this is going to be a, a part of her character moving forward is that this is not something she um, right. is on board for. Yeah. And so, so what, and what she's done is she's, she's turned off the containment of the warp core. Right. So, you know, it's so there's going to be a warp core breach and, and yeah, they'll get a lot of light and then everyone's going to die. But that just seems like the kind of thing you wouldn't. Why would you have a turn off the warp containment button? It just seems like a bad idea. Well, especially, I mean, for Laon, because she's a chief security engineer, like maybe the chief engineer has the override codes, but right. you're not well, going mean, to give that to No, her. she's chief of security. I mean, sure, maybe she's got maybe. access, but, but why on earth would you ever want to turn that off? It just seems yeah. like. You know, there should or there should be like, you know, 75 safeguards in place that yeah, makes it right. so that you can't turn it off while the warp core is engaged. Anyway, it just seems like they need some some yeah. basic safety protocols on the Enterprise, as always. 
it, it it is worth noting that after Laan basically insults Una, uh, Una just straight up just knocks her out. Just yeah. I think I, she just punches her or whatever, and just is yeah. like, "I'm not having your crap anymore." So, so the next scene, and and now we're back to Pike and Spock on the surface. Well, hang on. First, we see um, after she knocks her out, she goes to you know kind of stop the warp core breach, and at that point, there there's like a radiation alarm, right? Oh, I don't. I didn't write that down. I'll take. Yeah, there's there's like a radiation alarm because the warp core is partially, you know, not 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 uh, contained. She's putting containment back up, and while she does this, like radiation basically sweeps the the uh, the compartment they're in, and she does her glowy thing again. Okay. So Una, you know, starts turning, you know. You know, she looks like the the bad guys in Iron Man three. She's got like lava skin and turns right, all glowy. Right, okay. Yeah, uh, and then it cuts away. That's the end of the scene. So, so we're getting to the scene that I had some questions about. So let's all right. So the next scene is Pike and Spock. They are still on the planet. The plasma creatures, whatever they are, Iron Storm dragons, whatever they have broken into the library that they were in. And you thought that they were going to get killed because that's where the last scene ended. But instead, the plasma creatures have basically gone to extreme measures to um, cover up and protect um, Pike and Spock from the Ion Storm as it passes over them. Yeah, Spock makes mention that the Ion Storm will destroy any organic life. Oh, okay. If they come into contact with it. So it would be bad. Whatever these lightning dragons are, have basically just saved Pike and Spock. So Spock makes mention that he thinks perhaps these ion or electric dragons, whatever, that perhaps they are the colonists, perhaps they are the Allurians, and that um, that that's this is what happened to them. That's why this perhaps this planet is um, is. What's the word? Not inhabited, empty. Yeah, That's and and yeah, this is this could be you know solving the mystery of what happened to these missing colonists. And and Pike asks him, you know, well, you know, how would they? How would this even happen? And he mentions that there's there's some you know it sounds like some vague references uh, in this uh, account that he's found in this library that mention people you know being attracted to the ion storms and running off into them. Right. And Spock speculates that perhaps some kind of, you know, transfer of of you know matter Honestly, happened yeah. and they they ended up merging with the ion storm. Yeah, he, I, I wrote this down because I was trying to figure this like quick hand wave thing in you know out. But he says although it's possible the charged storm particles bonded with the colonists' electromagnetic presence, creating what we saw. Um, does that make any sense to you? Or a little, yeah, it, it, it makes it makes wave, absolutely yeah. no sense. Yeah. But okay. that's that makes, the Star Trek physics we're going with for this episode. I think. I mean, it, yeah, that's that's to make the the episode interesting. They they do make mention that Spock found found the diary or in that the records that he found that the the Illyrians were in the process of renouncing their genetic modifications because again they wanted to join the Federation. And he also makes mention that the Allurians were bioengineering themselves to fight disease. So that was one of the reasons they were so heavy on this genetic modifications, which circles back to why Una is essentially immune to whatever is going on on this planet, because she has this super immune system. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and they mentioned, you know, uh, Spock mentions the irony of uh, if they hadn't been trying to de-engineer themselves, then this disease wouldn't have affected them. Yeah, I think his quote was, they wanted to join the Federation so badly their good faith gesture got them killed. Yeah. So at this point, we cut back to sickbay real quick, and um, La'an is not an Illyrian. She's a, I don't even know what she is. But uh, she's not a Lurian, but her proximity to the commander created chimeric antibodies in her system, is the quote. So her just being close to Una essentially gave her the same immunity. It kind of went off the rails right. here. Yeah, if we thought that the, the ion storm creatures was hand-wavy, this is just whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, so yeah, apparently, um, uh, the radiation surge somehow reinfected Una, who was immune to the disease, but apparently like she got her immune system kicked in again for some reason because of this radiation. And in the process, she created these, I think they call them chimera antibodies. Yeah. The word was, yeah. Chimeric antibodies. Right. Yeah. That, that then get transferred to La'an. Just by being in proximity, but I mean, I mean, they've talked about the disease passes via light waves, so I guess the antibodies could too. But I mean, the, yeah, this just so, so you're <laughs> like okay. So this this is but, where I got a little confused. So you're saying doesn't that, she say she doesn't <clears throat> Una say she was able to synthesize them into a cure before they set? Yeah, or is, basically, like she she quick very quickly got a sample of her blood. After her super immune system kicked in see, in response to this radiation, it, it's that's where I had an issue. I, I could see it happening accidentally because they're like wrestling around and fighting, and maybe it happened. But she like created, a, she synthesized a cure in the moment and whatnot. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I'd be yeah, fine with that. Was, yeah, this was very, very like okay, we're wrapping it up and everything's fine. I don't, I don't um, want to get hung up on, I mean, clearly it yeah. was a weird scene, but I thought it was yeah. interesting. So literally all you have to do is kind of stand near an Illyrian and you're good? Like, all right. Yeah. So It, it was it was hand-wavy. Yep. So we cut, the, the next scene is Una uh, and La'an. La'an has now recovered and they are in the mess hall or 10 forward. I, I don't know. I, I did note that it's completely empty, which I thought was interesting. And the lights are kind of dim. And they're basically having, you know, essentially a philosophical debate. And La'an, you know, reiterates that she hates augments because of her violent grandfather. So we're really hammering home how opposed La'an is to bioengineering. So she's clearly going to have an issue with Una moving forward. Um, but and, thought... to, and to be, you know, to give her credit, she she has an out. Um, yeah. You know. Una kind of sits down, hey, can I, can we talk? And and uh, La'an says something along the lines of, you know, do you want to know if it was me or the disease talking? And Una says, well, yeah, I do. And La'an's like, hey, it was both. Like, I, I can't blame this on the disease. This is how I feel. Well, I, I think Una's response was actually really cool. This is cool science fiction. Like, I I'm, I don't know about the chimeric antibodies. That's a little silly. But the, the quote that La'an says was that as an Allurian, she says, by engineering our bodies, we adapt to naturally existing habitats. Instead of terraforming planets, we modify ourselves. 
So as a science as a science fiction like concept, like that's cool. Like instead of going in and changing like the whole environment and atmosphere of a planet, like what if we just modify ourselves that we breathe nitrogen instead of oxygen or whatever? So I right. thought that was a cool concept. So maybe we'll see more of that in the future. I don't know, but that was that was her response was, you know, hey, we're not all bad. We're not all like your grandfather or whatever. So Yeah, and yeah. It just the whole idea that this technology is you know is just evil and will always lead to evil outcomes is just kind of ridiculous right yeah and una i think says strawberries are her favorite food in this scene which i think is it's funny just hinting at like uh gmos and stuff so you think that's what they're oh interesting okay really no okay i may be a way off base but i I thought that was an obvious reference to um, fruit being genetically modified and the um, conversation around, like, GMOs being evil and all that stuff. I thought you just liked strawberries. Oh, okay, maybe. Either way, it's... the um, So, at this point, um, Una's wrestling with herself. She's, uh, She's in Pike's quarters... And she basically um, admits that she lied to get into the Federation. She committed a Federation offense. um, And she says, you know, she hands in her resignation. And Pike, like, doesn't even really think about it. He just kind of looks at her. He's like, eh, rejected. Yeah. And she's like, what? And uh, Pike's response is, Illyrians are severely misunderstood. You let me worry about Starfleet. So the, the, I don't know if the implication here is that he's going to like sweep this under the rug or if he's just going to go to bat for her. But I mean, it's it not seems... like go to bat because because she asks him specifically, yeah. what are you going to do when Starfleet finds out? Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, hey, are we going to try to keep this quiet? She's she's acknowledging there's no way Starfleet's yeah. not going to learn about this. Well, the, the entire crew knows, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no way to keep it. Yeah. No. He says he would welcome the conversation. Yeah. yeah. And and this is, I mean, this is again. I I really like um, Pike as a captain, and you start you start to flesh out his. Um, I don't know what the word is because in the last episode, I think we determined he's not a good diplomat, but he's very charismatic, and he's with his people. I think he's very good. So he's this very is, loyal to his people. Yeah, he basically tells Una like, "Don't worry about it. Like this is on me, not on you." Which is, I mean, but he great. He also... I guess. He also says you defy every stereotype the Federation has about Illyrians. So to me, it's sort of like he consistent. He's being consistent with the Federation's like bigotry against Illyrians. Um, in the in the sense that oh, this is one of the good ones, you know, so so to speak. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll see. I I, it'll it comes back in the future. So, um, the next thing we see is uh una is in sick bay and she mentions that hey um in the in the pilot they were retrofitting the enterprise and they were upgrading a lot of systems but ubanga did not let them upgrade the medical transporter at the time and um which caused the biofilter to fail which somehow led to this light you know, contagion getting on board. Although I don't really understand that because I mean, he mentions that. Bio- it sounds like the implication is that there's yeah, but there's multiple transporters yeah. on the ship, and I guess the implication is that Hammer linked them all together, yeah, right, right, 
to get the power he needed. And in doing so, it disabled the biofilters because they were disabled on the one in, in the medical bay. Is that where they were? Okay. Well, okay. So basically, um, what you find out is that Ubanga is keeping his daughter, whose name is Rukia, R-U-K-I-Y-A, in the pattern buffer. So what you find out is that, that his daughter has a terminal disease called signochemia, and um, the only way that he basically, yeah, that he, the only way he can keep her alive is to keep her in the pattern buffer in this transporter, and then he beams her, he has to beam her out every so often. You know, he reads her a bedtime story, and then he puts her back in the pattern buffer. And the whole point being, and, and I think his line is, somewhere out there, um, there is a planet that has the discovery I need. So his character motivation is that he's going to go explore the universe and try and find a um, a, a cure for signochemia. Uh, yeah. This is dark, uh, very dark and unethical. Yeah, there's but they don't treat it as such. Um, well, this, yeah, that's yeah, right. It, it well, begs the question. I mean, if you can just put people into stasis by you know beaming yep. them into a pattern buffer, why isn't there a service offered to do that for a thousand percent? You know, this yeah, seems yeah. like something like Quark would be offering on Deep Space Nine, like to the rich elites, right? Right. So, right. I mean, that's essentially like a Walt Disney thing, right? Where you didn't they freeze his body so that when they, you know, no, that was here, a that was a. There was an urban legend, but yeah, that's, but I mean, that's, that's, the, the that's essentially yeah. the, right. Yeah. So, it's like Futurama. There's just some company that runs yeah. these. Yeah. yeah, there you go. So, um, Ubenga says he had no idea that it would risk the ship. You know, if I had any idea that doing this would not, would have brought, you know, risk the entire crew of the ship, I never would have done it. And in fact, he offers, he said, you know what, I'm going to go empty out this pattern, but I'm going to say goodbye to my daughter. And, you know, this, you know, I don't want this on my conscience. But Una actually flips the tables on him. She offers to not turn him in, and instead, she gives him a direct power feed from the warp core, so that it is isolated and not in tune with the other parts of the ship and the other transporters. So she basically um, says, "Yeah, you're good. Don't worry about it." Yeah. But I, I got the impression that she's not going to tell anyone else. That was the impression I got too, and it was like, like "Boy, that sure seems like me. something you should yeah. at least run by Pike." But for sure. So, um, let's see. And then, uh, essentially, the uh, episode ends um, with a little Una voiceover. And she mentions, um, she says, Today, Ubanga stopped hiding, and so did I. So she mentions that, you know, Ubanga came clean, and that she also came out as an Illyrian. Yeah, and she, she's making a log entry. Um yeah. But she she kind of mentions, you know, yeah, this this all ended well, and you know, Pike, you know, stood up for me, and that felt great. But would he have done that if I hadn't just saved the ship? Yeah, her line, her exact line mm-hmm. was, "What if I hadn't saved all those lives? Would the captain feel the same?" Yeah, so she's doubting that his his reaction is really sincere when, you know, so it, basically her 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 thing is like, okay, so I'm one of the good ones. Yeah, but yeah you know, are they really going to feel this way about all Illyrians, or is it just like, I'm okay, but the rest of them, they're still going to be bigoted towards. It's worth noting that she deletes the log entry as as soon as she's done. I think the implication is that she doesn't want it on the official record, at least not yet. Right. Yeah, and I like that the, the show acknowledges that problem 
Yeah. But I also don't like that she deletes the log and it's kind of swept under the rug, I guess. But well, yeah. it, it comes back. It comes back later, so that's definitely a a plot point for a future episodes. So the 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 final 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 scene is you see um, Ubanga who has beamed his daughter out and she's sitting in a chair in sick bay. And he reads her a story, essentially this fantasy story about, you know, I don't know, dragons and princesses kind of thing. And then uh, Starwipe. And then we got credits. So I'm curious. Uh, well, let's just skip ahead a little bit. What uh, What do you think? If you had to rate this episode, Ben, what do you, what do you, do, what do you give it? Uh, well, uh, I liked it. I, I liked it better when it was called Sunshine. The movie Sunshine? Yeah. Well, now I got to go watch Sunshine again. Really? Oh, I. Yeah, you right? know that's so obvious, but it's very. It's so similar as far as like. Um, oh, interesting. That, okay. All right. Like yeah, like you know, yeah. We got, your... we got a bunch of people trapped on a ship, addicted to light, and doing crazy stuff. Yeah, we've seen we've seen this before, but. Um, They're no, taking it, reference. Yeah. Yeah. It. It was. Uh, you know. It's. It's. It's a good episode of Star Trek. We've got. Uh, a bit of a mystery to solve. Um, that's always good. That you know, um, it's interesting. It seems like uh, um, like the we we got to do like the mystery disease in like the second or third episode of every Star Trek show. So we we've checked that box now. Um, I will say that this mystery disease episode is much much better than either uh, iteration of the Naked Time or the Naked Now, which are terrible episodes um what, what's what shows that from uh i'm gonna forget which one i believe the naked time is from the original series and the naked now is from next generation uh and they are episodes about a disease that makes everyone super space horny right and okay. it's as good as it sounds sounds and yeah right um, but that okay. is that's the episode in Next Generation where we find out that Data is fully functional. Oh, right. Is that right? Okay. So if you had to give so, this a scale of one to ten, what do you give this episode? Uh oh, I'm gonna stick with my seven out of ten. I mean, I, I know I'm, really? I'm kind of a broken record on that, but um, yeah, so far, I mean, I mean, this is I'd say this is above average. It's it's certainly um, again this this feels like Star Trek. I'm enjoying this definitely more than I did Discovery. Um, I think they're, you know, they're back in the saddle, but I haven't seen anything yet that really is, is standing out as really fantastic science fiction. It's, it's, they're retreading a lot of ground that we've, we've tread before. Um, but, uh, again, it's, it's well done. The acting is good. The, you know, the, like we said, the costuming and the effects are great. Um, the show looks amazing. Uh, you know, yeah. Um. And some amount is super charismatic. Anyway, we're 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 looking good. Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Jason. Um. Yeah. I, I do want to say that I watched um episode two just before this, just to kind of mm-hmm. refresh myself, because I I did right. watch like the first episode and a half mm-hmm. a while back, um, and I liked it, but I didn't get really it, that much into it at the time, but um. Episode two is really great. I really want to just say, like, I really enjoyed that. The focus on Ahura, um, the, the sort of like slimmed down, you know, focused story in that was really great. And the visuals were awesome. Um, this one, 
I thought was a downturn in, in the quality. I, I would give this like 6.5, you know, pretty solidly above average, I guess. But like, like you said, Ben, like it's very tread, like a, there's an outbreak on the crew. There's something, it's like light and dark, like it's light, you know, it seems kind of lazy, this sort of setup. And it doesn't really um, connect with the Illyrians and the gene- genetic modifications as much as I would like, I would like them to dig into the genetic modification aspect of the sci-fi more, but they, they didn't really dig into any specific area enough for me to be satisfied. It just seems like it was had a lot of uh, too many ideas that they didn't explore very well. So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a, but it's, it's solid, you know, a, a bit above average, I guess. I think, uh, yeah, I agree with everything Jason said. I, I, I think there were some really cool concepts here. I really like the idea of <clears throat> a disease that is not bacteriological or biological. Like they, there's a new vector that this thing can be transmitted by, something that we haven't seen before. So I thought that was cool. The idea of Ubanga keeping his daughter in the pattern buffer to keep her alive, like that's a cool like you know plot device. I think the fact that um, Una is an Allurian and that she's, you know, essentially got a dark past that she's kept from Starfleet. I think those are all cool ideas, but uh, I really kind of lost it when it was like, okay, well, Lon was standing close enough to Una that now she's just cured with magic chimeric antibodies. Which there were there were some really cool science fiction themes in this episode. I just thought the execution wasn't fantastic. You know, that that line where Una talks about they modify their bodies instead of the planets, like, that's a cool idea. There's a lot of cool ideas here. I just thought that the execution wasn't great. It was a fun episode. I liked it. Um, I'm going to give it a 6 out of 10. Okay. So Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of regretting my 7 now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah okay. I think the 7 was too generous. So I, I think my biggest issue is this is not the episode where you reveal that Una has this this background. If we're gonna dig into that, like we really need to dig into it. Like, right? It's um, felt so convenient, right? Like yeah, we are right. we are exploring Illyrians, and then suddenly, like that's the thing that she reveals exactly. It could have been any a number of alien species. It could have been any number of things that they were exploring that that caused her to have to reveal herself. It just felt super, yeah, convenient on that. And, and it, we just we didn't. I mean, and, maybe, and again, maybe we're going to circle back to this, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll get more later as the season goes on. But yeah, we just didn't have much time to really dig into this. You know, we've had episodes like this before. Uh, in DS Nine, there was uh, that whole plot point where uh, Doctor Bashir turns out to be genetically modified. Oh, I forgot um, about that. Yeah, good point. And we had an entire episode of just dealing with the implications of that. And, uh, you know, we find out at the beginning of the episode, he kind of gets outed that he's genetically modified. And then, you know, we have all the different characters reacting to that news. Some of them take it good. Some of them don't. Um, it's, you know, it's affecting his relationship with everybody, you know, sometimes not in a big way, but there's we're seeing all these ripple effects. Everyone's treating him a little bit differently. Um, his friendship with O'Brien is kind of called into question. I mean, around, I mean, it's, he, O'Brien kind of makes light of it and it's, you know, it's mostly around their, you know, was he letting him win at darts this whole time? 
right. right. But there's a deeper implication there. O'Brien's basically like, hey, you've been lying to me this entire time, and I don't know if I can trust you now. I was, you know, O'Brien doesn't make friends easily to begin with, and now he's... Anyway, the point is there's there's a lot of time to spend on dealing with the implications of all this, whereas in this episode, you know, the, the focus of the episode is on this disease and trying to figure out what's going on and save the day. It didn't have time to breathe. So I hope we get more later in the season. So, Ben, you haven't watched um, more, um, beyond this episode? No, I've been watching them as we go. So Okay. Yep. So each time we film an episode, we uh, record an episode of the podcast. Uh, that's the the first I've seen of the episode. Gotcha. I'm kind of yeah. jealous. I, I think it actually works out good because I have a slight, um, you know, because I've seen all of them, so I sort of know what's coming up. But it's it's interesting to hear you watch it. You know, in essence, yeah, I think I think that makes an for an interesting uh, cool dynamic balance. for our conversation yeah. that you know what's coming and I don't is a little is, bit. Yeah, makes it interesting. The, yeah. the genetic modification thing is so rich and so interesting. It has to come up more. So, I, yeah, I hope so. Yeah, Star Trek's at its best when it's basically a morality play, right? Hundred and yeah. and and it's a an, an excuse to get into philosophy. I mean, that's why Patrick Stewart was so damn good as Captain Picard. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, the like Crisis of the Week episodes are, are fine. They're fun. Like they have their place, but. They're not the episodes everybody remembers. It's like, wow, man, that was that was something. Like, I'm really going to remember that one. Yeah. I mean, how many times does the Enterprise almost blow up? It's it's right. Yeah, okay, whatever. But uh, when we get those episodes that you know we kind of question, like, boy, what is the right thing to do here? I don't know. Right. You know, that's that's when it sticks with us. So I would just I I think they could have done better with this issue than sticking it in an action episode. Well, not to beat a dead horse. I agree with what you just said, but not to beat a dead horse. There was some really cool, you know, potential in this episode for that. Like when Una talks about how instead of bio or uh, terraforming a planet, they modify themselves. So yeah, like you said, there's a moral, you know, decision you have to make there. Like is is it worth it to modify your body? You've got Ubenga, who's you know basically putting the whole ship at risk to save his daughter like is there's a morality there you've got pike going to bat for like there's all right there's a whole yeah, lot of those... deep deep issues that are addressed you know that are addressed in this episode and we don't get the time to dive into them yes i do i do know i mean a couple of these come back so there will definitely be some more of this so uh certainly uh tune in and, in and that's the thing that makes me feel better is that this yeah. isn't you know this isn't uh a, an episode of the week show. Right. So it's not like we only have one bite at the apple here. They'll have a chance to dig into some of this stuff as we go. But yeah, it just seems like a missed opportunity. So that was uh, episode three, seven more episodes in this season. Uh, we will be back. I don't know, probably about a week with the next one. All right. Can't wait. All right. We'll talk to you guys then.